Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego Kyle on behalf of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, I discuss sustainable impact investing, how to create portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, environmental sustainability, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as I explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, how are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. I'm just so excited that I can hardly stand it. I have a special guest. Yes, you do. A, a really special guest. I have never met this guest before. And so uh, now but, I have, and I'm so excited. Right. And we've talked about her a lot. So today joining us is my wife, mm-hmm. Rose Griego whoop, whoop. Kyle. Whoop, whoop. Rose, how are you? Great. She is very soft spoken. Yes. You said that yes. earlier, Cam. Yeah. Woman of few I am words. Very honored to be on the show because I think this is the first time I've actually been up in your recording studio. So, right. Oh. So impressive. Now you get to see where the magic happens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm usually shushed out to go sit downstairs with the dogs. Right. To keep them quiet. Right. That is so, so today, funny. That's exactly it, what I do with my wife. I'm like, right. You, I know. Out, out of my, go, go. I got to start yeah. recording now. Right. Because, you know, I don't know. I felt a little embarrassed, but I, you know, I don't know. It's good. I'm very excited. And the reason she's joining us today is because we're going to talk about the day recycling died. Okay. So now (laughs) now I have uh, the American Pie song run through my head. Right. I know. Okay. Thank you for that. I was thinking I would try to change the wording to that, but, you know, I could totally do a parody for that. We can talk about that later. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So what do you mean the (laughs) day recycling died? No, I, I just feel like, and Rose is super opinionated about this. She's oh, got good. lots of opinions. And then she's going to share her experience in Japan um, about their recycling. Mm. But, you know, I, we've really lost our way in a lot of. Oh, I a agree. Lot of, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> it's just really. Anyway, I, I want to give you guys two questions to start this podcast out. If you had to guess, well, you are guessing, <laughs> which, which is the country that has the highest percentage of recycling in the world like okay we'll clarify so are you saying the highest All percentage, recycling i mean mm-hmm. highest percentage as in effectiveness or highest amount of stuff they get rid of highest amount of stuff they get rid of oh i see they re- but that they put into the recycling process yeah oh ladies first rose <laughs> let uh, me give you a hint it's in europe i would guess someplace like scandinavia Okay, Eric. Because they have so little space. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a good rationale. Good guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Eric? Um, I'm going with Rose's answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, cheating. No, Norway. Norway. I'll say Norway yeah, because okay, yeah. isn't well, that Scandinavia behind? Okay, cheating, so the yes. answer the answer is actually um, Austria. Wow. Okay. Yeah, right? So Austria uh, recycles 63% of their waste. Wow. It gets diverted from landfills. Okay. So it was an effectiveness, like, right. Got it. Yeah. It's amazing. And so the second part of this question is what percentage do you think the United States recycles? 11. Waste, waste that is uh, (laughs) put in the recycling pool. I'm saying 11. Good guess. I'd probably say less than that. Probably about eight. Mm, Wow. You guys are really down on the, (laughs) I mean, it's not great. It's uh, it's 34%. Oh, oh, that's wow. well, that's okay. That's better than I thought. Was than I be. thought yeah. Right. And actually, uh, the United States is in the top 10. What? Of, yeah. Of okay. Recycling. So, who, who's reporting these numbers, though? That's what I want to know. So, I got these numbers from a report compiled by Planet Aid, okay. AID. So, like independent, um, then, I suppose. Right. Right. It's independent and it's an organization that really looks at environmental and social change worldwide. And what they're doing, I mean, what they've done with this report is look at what countries around the world are doing and the percentages that they're re, um, recycling. So Germany uh, is not too far behind Austria. Austria was 63, Germany is 62. Mm-hmm. Eh, 
kind of in the same area. Both of those countries, as Rose said, don't have a lot of space. And so recycling is really important there. And Taiwan rounds out the top three at 60%. Those are my people. <laughs> yeah. I was born in Taipei, Taiwan. So I just have to say my, shout out to oh, my wow. people. What? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know this about you. Yeah. And and if I had known better, uh, I guess from before I turned 18, mm-hmm. I could have actually had dual citizenship because wow. it actually would have been citizenship cool. in China because it was Republic of China at the time. And I know that China mm. still wants them back, mm. but whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that, but <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want that to happen. I, I want Taiwan to remain free. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, and here's a little sidebar in terms of the recycling. Brazil is really setting the bar high in terms of their aluminum recycling. Mm. So while Brazil isn't in the top 10, they recycled in 2014, this was the the last data point, I guess they had for this. They recycled 98.4% of all consumable aluminum packaging. Wow. Mm. It's amazing because what what they've done is they've recycled 289,000 tons of aluminum beverage cans. So can I tell you why my number was so low for the U.S.? Yeah. In Omaha, they don't recycle glass. Typical. So, well, let, let me let me put it this way. They, they don't pick up glass, right? So you have to used take to, it. You, we have to take it someplace, right? Yeah. And then, so let's be honest, how many people are doing that? How many people are keeping glass around in their garage, you know, so on and so forth. It's not easy. Roses. <laughs> Roses. I, I, yeah, I can't. Now where I live, right? Uh, boys right. down. So it's a, it's a safety issue, so on and so forth, because, you know, can't have just a giant bin of glass sitting there. Right. But yeah. So yeah, that's that, that was discouraging to me that, you know, Omaha did that or Omaha does that. I think that is discouraging because, we're, and we're going to talk about that, how a lot of communities in the U.S., don't have the ability or the facilities Mm -hmm. to recycle a lot of the things that should be recycled. The interesting thing about aluminum is it recycled aluminum requires less energy than create, you know, using recycled aluminum requires less energy than creating new aluminum cans. Mm -hmm. So why aren't we recycling a bigger percentage? Have you seen the, the sleeves of aluminum cups that look like red solo cups, but they're aluminum? I have not. Yeah. So it's hundred percent recycled. And I, I felt really good just even picking up the package. But yeah. I, I use those for a really, really long time. The only time that that aluminum cup now goes into the recycle bin is when I've like squished it. <laughs> when I've accidentally <laughs> crushed squished it, too it. Much. Yeah, crushed it to the point where it's like, ah, this isn't going to make it. Right. Wow. And then it goes in recycling. Right. But it kept one of those cups forever. And then I saw them at the store and I bought a whole sleeve of them. I mean, I, I think they're good. fantastic. Yeah, I, yeah, I I'm gonna that. look for those. Those, that's amazing. It's about the, yeah, it's uh, about the size of red solo cup in there, all aluminum. Yeah, excellent. On the list, let me just give you some other uh, countries' percentages of recycling that sort of in this top ten here. Singapore is at fifty nine percent, and then okay. uh, South Korea forty nine percent. So we're we're dropping. Yeah, mm-hmm. the United Kingdom thirty nine percent, Italy thirty six percent, France at forty five percent. Are we seeing a trend here? Like, you know, countries in Europe and then, you know, a few countries there in Asia. Mm -hmm. And then there's the United States at 34. So, you know, it's still in the top 10, but you think, oh my God, top 10? How many countries are there? And and the United States is barely recycling anything, a third of what they recycle. Yes. But, you know, as we we drop down here, um, here's another song for you. I don't know if you, I was thinking of the hip hop song, Drop It Like It's Hot. Oh, yes. I listen to that all the time. Just this morning, in fact. I'm sorry. Really? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was a little surprised on that. Okay. So I'm going to get you some data points here because I know you get all hopped up and, oh, I love and perky on um, uh, data stuff. So in 20. 21 this is around this is about the u.s about 85 percent of u.s plastic waste went into the landfills 85 percent right and uh, approximately 98 percent of single-use products come from fossil fuels so we know the plastic bottles are coming from oil Mm -hmm. fossil fuels and we know that's a problem we don't even have to go down that road because i've talked about it a lot uh less than 10 percent of the 7 billion, that's a B, 
tons of plastic waste that has ever been produced globally has yet to be recycled. Yeah. 7 billion tons. It's crazy. And I'm give you some other astronomical numbers. Every year, roughly 400 million tons of plastic trash is produced worldwide. Mm. That's the trash. That's not what's going into recycling. It takes about 450 years for uh, a plastic bottle to break down. 450 years. Yeah. I'm not sure we're going to be around in 450 <laughs> years at this point. Not if we keep doing this. Right. And every year, Americans buy almost 50 billion bottles of water. Water bottles. Just, you know, just single in use. the United States? United States. 50 billion? Yep. Oh, I mean, have Christmas. you ever gone to Costco and seen people loading up on, you know, cases of bottled water? Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's 24 horrible. packs. Right. And here's the one that, okay. And side note, the ones that drive me nuts are the ones that are buying those like 48 packs of the eight ounce bottles. Who drinks just ones? eight ounces of water? Right. <laughs> Come on. Come on. You know, you're opening two of those. Get Get the one bottle. Never mind. Anyway, right. sorry. <laughs> it's just, and refill it. Crazy. Well, okay, sorry. Right. Refill it. Remember okay. when you were little and you're in your soccer team, you had to drink out of that big orange, uh, yes. you know, cooler thing. We all drank out of the same and they probably filled it from the hose. At from home. the hose. hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. And guess who still has all his arms? They haven't fallen off yet because right. of drinking out of a water hose. Oh my God. Same right. here. Yeah. Just. Okay. Here's two more before we start talking about some positive things. but I was going to um, say, how long is this going to go on? Yeah, two more. <laughs> I, I got two more, more okay. for you. They're Whoppers. Five trillion with a T. Oh, man. Plastic bags are produced worldwide annually. Yeah. I hate them. Right. <laughs> Can I say and that? I, I don't know why anyone would oppose a, bla a plastic bag ban. Yeah. You know, people don't like it. But honestly, carry your recycling bags, you know, the ones you can reuse. Okay, I don't know. More. I don't know when the last time I went fishing, Kim, yeah, and didn't see one of those bags in a tree. And I'm being yeah. straight up honest. The last time I went, there was like three. I was able to get two of them down. One was way too high. And I'm like, <sighs> you know, at least I'm, I'm hoping that a squirrel uses it for something, but they don't, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, carry your nuts home in that thing. Anything to reuse it. But no, it's just stuck in a tree and it I looks terrible. love that you got the ones out of the tree that you could. Well, that's they're, amazing. They're, they're Thank ugly. you. They're terrible. Thank oh, you. No. Oh, they are. Welcome. And honestly, the big, uh, we're not even going to talk about this today, but the, the gigantic floating plastic, I don't even know what they call it anymore, but it's a plastic dump basically in the middle of the ocean. Yes. Full of yeah. plastic bags. Okay. So here's the last one because, and I'm excited because you talked about your recycled uh, or your aluminum solo mm -hmm. cups. Every year, 500 billion plastic cups are used worldwide. We could completely change that by using those aluminum solo cups or whatever is made. Yeah, don't, let's not give companies. solo the let's not give right. solo the credit because it's not a solo brand. Oh, uh, it's not a solo brand. No, okay, it's like so it's, it's like, like the, it. the size of yeah, I think it's 16 ounce or whatever. Right. Yeah, another company makes I think for some reason I want to say blue something. But anyway. Okay, so it's probably a more environmentally friendly company. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would I would assume well, so, yeah. And was it, it Toby Keith amazing. that sang Red Solo Cup? Is he the one that did that song? I don't know, but it's a, a funny lot of song. Blame, a lot of okay. blame goes to him. We're, Just going to say. Okay. Yeah. Because people like their Red Solo Cups. So that's song number three. Let's keep seeing how many okay. songs we can <laughs> relate today. Yeah. yeah. But as we get to the end of the podcast, we're going to talk about some other options of you know recycling, mm -hmm. things that we can do instead. We've mentioned a few, but I want to say, I want to mention here in 2020, the U.S., set their recycling target. It's not a mandate. It's a target uh, for recycling 50% of waste products, you know, plastic, aluminum, glass mm -hmm. by 2030. And honestly, I got to tell you, we're at 34% and I'm not sure how we're going to get to 50 because in, I, I saw the statistics several places, but in 1960, 7% of waste was recycled in the United States. Hmm. And now we're at 34%. And people tout that number like, oh, we went from seven to, you know, 34. But that's 83 years. It's not a big increase. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think we get to tout that number as being, um, you know, great. An enormous problem we have is that it's expensive to recycle plastic. 
unlike aluminum, where it's easy to recycle and it uses less energy, plastic is expensive to recycle. Uh, there's um, somewhere around a thousand different types of plastic. Yeah. And they can't be all thrown in together to recycle. And, you know, even here, you know, there's only a couple of things that we can recycle locally. Mm-hmm. You have to look at those numbers on the yeah. bottom. And every time I use a yogurt cup, I'm like, oh, I can't recycle this. It drives me crazy. And I'm having trouble finding the glass jars of yogurt lately. So I don't know what's happening. with. I that. didn't but know they made glass jars of yogurt. There's only one company. Right. Yo Play makes a really one. Yeah. yeah. That's in glass. And yeah. I like Yo Play. I do yeah. too. And you can reuse those for a million things. Mm-hmm. Make candles. Yeah. <laughs> one of these days we're going to make candles with the 100 cute little yeah. <laughs> tea light size. Yeah. When, when you have power outage, hey, you guys are sick. You, you can actually buy cork lids for those now. Hmm. So if you want to use them for other things like or spices or something. Yeah. Spices, yeah. make your own yogurt, whatever. You can get those uh, ban- cork lids. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I got so excited when I saw that. It, you know, we're talking about expensive recycling. It's cheaper to make brand new plastic containers. And yeah. that is a big problem. And one of the reasons it's it's so expensive is it has to be sorted once we recycle it because people throw the things in there that shouldn't be in there. Um, you know, they don't take the plastic lids off of the bottles and the lids can't be recycled, but the bottle can. And we don't really know that. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. So, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a big problem. Let's talk about, oh, here, I have another question for you guys. <laughs> Ready? What do you think is the number or the percentage of plastic that's turned into new things? I think this is just in the U.S. Turned into new things. Mm-hmm. So plastic that we maybe throw in our bins that, you know, what it's collected. What percentage do you think of that plastic is actually made into new things? 14%. 10. percent Five. Good wow. Lord. Five percent. I thought you were done giving us bad news. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I like to look at it as um, a, a push, like we can't keep doing that and and we have to you know educate people and and push them in the right direction one of the problems is that we desperately desperately need new infrastructure for recycling mm-hmm. i don't know when the last time you were at a recycling facility but it's and there are some huge ones which of course i've never been to but you know they're hand sorting yeah these plastics and aluminum and all of those things because it, so many things cannot be recycled. The, the problem I see is I've seen a couple different videos. Like one was from the news. They were trying to get awareness out there. One was more of like a docu- documentary somebody made. It was like just a five minute thing. But they talked about how how difficult it is within these centers. If if something gets through, it can ruin an entire batch, batch. Right? It can. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know how big a batch is, but. One of the ladies that was being interviewed said that entire container now, it has to be just taken straight to the dump. We can't do anything with that because people put things in there that weren't supposed to be in there kind of thing. Yep. Got to throw it out. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's not, it's not great. And, you know, then we're just continuing to throw more of it into yeah. the landfills. You know, when we talk about infrastructure, we're talking, not, we're not just talking about collections. Let me just pause there and talk about this because today's trash day here. Me and too. Oh, well, great. We're all on a Tuesday schedule. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, every other week we can put out recycling, not glass. That's separate. Mm-hmm. But you put everything into your bin. Mm-hmm. It gets loaded into the recycle truck. So cardboard, aluminum plastic that can't be recycled otherwise, you know, and plastic that can be recycled. It all goes in that same bin. It has to be sorted. Yep. Once it goes into the dump truck, you know, it gets dumped out. It has to be sorted. That's expensive. And you have to have space. And honestly, you have to have local community expectations that that's going to get better. Yeah. Well, one thing I do have to say about Oregon, though, um, they're way ahead of the game as far as recycling because they've been on it since the 70s basically when they enacted the uh the money back thing the 
deposits. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they were like the first state to do that. So people have been recycling pretty consistently here, and it's just gotten better and better. And we are so lucky here in McMinnville because there is a company called Recology. <laughs> it's in their name right there. <laughs> um, that they uh, they are super good about recycling. And when you go over to their facility, it's all laid out so nicely, and it's all they recycle each little thing. And um, yes, and they even though they do throw it in together they do a great job of sorting now a good example of the opposite is when where we came from new mexico when we lived in santa fe pretty big city hundred thousand people um you would think that they would have a pretty good recycling program but not so much um because they shipped all their recycling off to albuquerque and Hmm. so it was not cost effective for them to recycle because yeah. they're like, well, there's not enough people that do it, so we're not going to do it. So it was a big catch-22. And so um, I was surprised when I worked in the hotel industry, and we went through so many glass bottles, right, in our bars and our restaurants and mm-hmm. beer bottles and wine bottles. And we did not recycle them. And I was like, what? <laughs> what are you all doing with all these? And they're like, oh, well, we have to take it over to the dump because they won't take it to recycle. But they will put it in a big bin and send it off to Albuquerque. But our local recycling, I mean, garbage service wouldn't do it. And so it was mm. like, wow, that's crazy. But yeah. Glass there literally had to be taken to the recycling yeah. center. Yeah. It, it, you can see part of the problem here where we have states that it's not or cities that it's just not important to them or they think it's not important to them. They got to change their mindset. And then you have uh, places like Oregon, McMinnville, who right. have this uh, amazing system. Well, it was hard for Santa Fe because, you know, for 100,000 people, they were like, well, do we want to invest in a big recycling center that we would, you know, have to hire 100 people to sort plastic? They're Jobs. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, well. Jobs. Thank you for warming up, Rose. Now you're into the conversation. <laughs> um, now I, I have opinions, I, right? <laughs> now I, I know. And a microphone, feels, Woohoo! right? <laughs> I, I may have. You may regret the door. this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know it feels depressing and overwhelming when you learn that you know five percent is uh, plastic is being recycled and all of these other statistics. But let's talk about ways we can change things and what what is good about this. One of the things that I find encouraging, and I I think this is, um, you know, can change with political climates, but the US EPA, Environmental Protection, is promoting the necessity of having uh, a bigger and a better circular economy. So I know you're asking, you know, some people are asking, what's a circular economy? (laughs) What does that mean? And what we're talking about there is an economy that keeps materials and products and services in circulation for as long as possible. So you do recycle that aluminum, then you reuse it and you're just continuing to, you know, recycle those those products until it's no longer usable. Here's a direct quote from the EPA. The circular economy when designed in a thoughtful and inclusive manner has the potential to protect the environment, improve economics and elevate social justice. Sustainability from its foundation requires social equity. How we extract, use, and dispose of our resources can affect already vulnerable communities disproportionately. I, I was like, wow, that's on the EPA site. I found it. <laughs> it's it's interesting to go and, and look and see what the EPA is thinking and doing. So now I want to talk about the positive stuff. And this is where Rose gets to share her experiences in when she went to Japan this year. So five months All ago right. in March, she went to Japan. Rose was born in Japan, by the way. <laughs> Another island baby. Yay. Right? Right? <laughs> uh, and so I want Rose to, well, I, I didn't do this at the beginning, but thank you for joining me. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. You showed me a lot of pictures when you from Japan about their recycling. And I was awe in awe of the whole process. So I want you to tell us more about your experience in Japan and and what it was like seeing their recycling system. Well, I know everybody has the 
impression, you know, that Japanese are so clean and so, you know, precise about everything. And it's true. I mean, Japan was beautiful and it was just amazingly clean. And, um, you know, I hadn't been there in like 25 years. And so it was a surprise to come back to see that, you know, even in this super modern era, nothing had really changed. And we had been in Tokyo and Hiroshima, which are big cities. And, you know, it, it was beautiful. But what blew me away is we we stayed in some Air, Airbnbs, right? And you know how Airbnbs always have like the book of rules. Yep. You know, you got to do this, you got to do that. And so they had like the one that we stayed in in Tokyo had like two full pages on trash and recycling. It was intense. <laughs> nice, right? Yeah. But, but it made sense because um, they had all the special bins. And then they explained what the bins were for and why you put them in. And then they said, if you did not sort it out properly, they would not pick up your trash. They would just leave it. <laughs> and so, <laughs> okay. you know, there were consequences to not doing it properly. And one of the things that um, surprised me was, you know, you were talking about how one of the problems of recycling is, is that we can't sort it properly here that there's just so many different things about it well japan is pretty strict about this is what you can do this is what you can't they have great graphics on they what have you can do. education yes it's all about education and so i was amazed that when we went walking just walking down the street we were surprised that we saw all these you know it was trash day and we saw lots of bins out and they had all the cans and everything like that but there was always a big clear trash bag full of Bottle, uh, plastic bottles, but they didn't have tops and they didn't have labels. So it was like the water bottles, but everybody had taken all the stuff mm. off it. It was like a huge full garbage bag full of, you know, so it was like in front of a restaurant or whatever. So somebody, the bus boys or whatever, had to sit there and peel all those labels off and put them properly in the bag in this clear bag. They were all clear bags. So Clearly, that was a rule that you had to put it in clear beds so they could see. Because mm -hmm. it was, was done properly. Right. So if there was one that was, you know, not in order, they would just leave the whole bag. So it would just, you know. So they put the onus on the person, not the trash company, to do that. So, and I think that's the difference between Japan and the U.S. is because Japan is a very rule-oriented, very homogenous, you know, everybody follows the rules. So it's probably easier to do that there. And they're in there very much about education as well. It's like, you know, you got to know why you're doing something, not just that you do it. So, I mean, that's good in the sense that everybody gets along and everybody, you know, is the same. Can you imagine doing that here in the u.s oh no people would bitch about it up and down <laughs> no, hang on this is this is exactly what went through my head exactly i am not lazy necessarily <clears throat> however if i was walking into costco and i saw that 48 pack of eight ounce little tiny bottles and i had to take all the labels off all the the lids off and all the little plastic rings that came from the lids i would think twice about purchasing that one <laughs> right because i'm like right if I have to do that's all a that, good thing. That exactly. Good right. Thing. So that's what I'm saying. It's like if you put some of these things in place, people are going to start changing their behavior based on the fact that they don't want to work that hard. Right. I want to be mm -hmm. able to throw my plastic bottle in that big blue bin and it goes someplace. And just, and I don't care. Right. right. And it's just yeah. gone. Right. But if I have to own that, like you said, OK, that's that's, that's a, a different, different story. Yeah. Right. yeah well, good. another thing about Japan is, you know, and I think this is true of the countries that are in the top five or whatever right those they're all small countries mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. actually see their trash because yeah. in the u.s one of the problems is is that we throw our trash away and it magically goes away and we never have to see it right unless you yep. happen to live out in the country near the the landfill or whatever but in japan there are no huge landfill space don't they mm. incinerate a lot of they do trash? incinerate a lot and actually they use a lot for uh construction they that's that's another reason they separate their trash very well is because they use a lot and and create landfills with like Tokyo Bay is like all built up from trash, basically, and that they created land out of it. So mm. it's kind of amazing, actually. Oh, um, wait a minute. Let me see if I understand this. 
they have taken the trash that can't be incinerated or mm-hmm. recycled and they turn it pre- into solid material wow. basically and built it up so okay I mean, so we really need to start doing that and and building up places like around manhattan and florida keys that are Trump, sinking probably, right <laughs> probably possible yes but wow. yeah so i think there's a lot more deliberate thought in those small countries because they know they have a limited amount of space but also one of the bad things about small countries like that is we are exporting uh, their waste to um third world countries that are using it as a money-making source, which is mm-hmm. unfortunate. So I that's that's been the case for a long time. And I don't remember if I've mentioned this before, uh, this particular piece, but when I was an exchange student in high school to the Philippines, mm. one of the field trips we took was literally to a dump. And there were people who lived in these little cardboard and wood shacks that they would put up and they spent their days pulling things out of the landfill that they could get paid for in terms of, you know, putting it into recycling. It was such an eye opener. And when we talk about disproportionately affecting uh, vulnerable communities, it's not just here in the U S you know, we're it's, it's around the world. And, you know, when we export our recycling or our trash to these countries, it's just perpetuating this this process. And I I found it sad <laughs> that we're that we're doing that. And I don't even know how to express how I felt, but it was it was overwhelming to see. So let's talk about some good things because I really feel like Japan is definitely a direction we all need to go in. And there's probably great systems in Austria, but I don't have the details on that. Rose mentioned bottle bill. And you know, forever when I was a kid, you know, you always got a nickel back if you recycled your bottles. Now it's 10 cents. Mm-hmm. Um, so you pay that 10 cents up front, but you get it back when you take the the can or some bottles to the recycling center. And we have to push our legislators to make and create a national bottle bill instead of just having, I think five or six States that do it. Yeah. We, we've got to have everybody doing it. Uh, then we're going to divert a lot of stuff from the, from landfills because it's going to go directly into recycling. Well, it's an amazing system here. Um, oh, yeah. It has grown exponentially. And now they have these centers called uh, bottle drops and, you can go there and do all your recycling at once and you take all your bottles, you, they weigh them, you have, they have special bags you put them in and then they pay you out right there. So it's a big economy thing too, as well uh, for a lot of people. And of course, you know, it's still a moneymaker for homeless folks. So it's, yeah. it's kind of a win-win <laughs> you, for everybody. If you put your bottles out uh, that are recyclable or, you know, can go back in for the 10 cents, there are uh, people who, homeless people who will routinely come by and pick them up. Oh, and here in Oregon too, um, like uh, Boy Scout troops and things like that, Girl Scout troops, they will have fundraisers. Can drives. Where, yeah, yep. you can drop off there. And in front of every grocery store, there is a special drop if you want to uh, contribute your, your returnables to a school or something like that. So Yeah, Nebraska because- doesn't do it, but Iowa does. So we yeah. actually took took our boys. It's just across the river. Omaha is right yeah. on the border. So years ago, we we gathered bags and bags and bags of cans and went over there. And and they were they were so excited about like sixty three dollars, right? It was like sixty three dollars right. and something cents. But that's a lot of cans. Freaking yeah. out, yeah, they were freaking yeah. out because we had the in the in the back of the van, and so we immediately went and bought ice cream, which is you know everybody you know <laughs> that, that's a good reinforcer, right? Right. Uh, so no, I think I think a national bottle bill would be fantastic. My only um, complaint about the bottle bill thing is it puts the onus on the consumer. Right. And in reality, it should be on the manufacturers. Mm-hmm. So Can we should about be. That too? You yes. are jumping ahead. Oh. Just <laughs> wait a minute. Excited. Sorry. <laughs> I know you're getting all warmed up here and you're, you've got a lot to share, but I don't want to run out of time. We have to stop using single use we have to have more glass is easier to recycle in a lot of ways. So the yogurt cups, things that are in plastic can, why do we not have glass milk bottles anymore? You know, we just need to to look at that. And that goes back to the companies. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it's cheaper for them to manufacture plastic. Right. And even it, here in the U.S., it, it freaks people out when you have milk in a um, the cardboard containers. People get really freaked out about that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's easier to recycle. Mm-hmm. It's it's less plastic and less fossil fuels. These are some easy things that we can do. You know, we, we get our reusable grocery bags. In Santa Fe, and there's a small one here, but in, in Santa Fe, there was a, a soap store. We talked about that before. Yeah. yeah. And we should have those everywhere. I don't know. Maybe Rose and I should open a chain or something. <laughs> see what, see what, what comes of that. Even laundry detergent. Mm-hmm. We don't need to use liquid laundry detergent anymore. There are sheets that are laundry detergent. Comes in a very thin package. It's like cellulose sheets or something. Right. And it's usually 60 or, you know, 80 or something um, washes. No mess from laundry, you know, detergents. I always hated that. So I was so excited about these sheets. You just toss it in there. They work great. Yeah, they're amazing. It also takes up a lot less space, right? Let's see what else. Oh, if you do use the single use plastics and they may or may not be recyclable, there are tons of things you can do with them after that. We have plastic bottles all over the house in the garage, you know, like I use them to water my plants, all kinds of different things. And Rose cuts the top off sometimes and must have a billion of them in in her shop, (laughs) you know, for rock rock collecting. Yeah. We talked about local municipalities and their recycling systems and what they have and don't have. And we need to educate people on what's available in your community and how to use it. Mm-hmm. We don't educate enough on that process. So, you know, knowledge is power. And, you know, if we know how to do it, we a lot of people will do it correctly. And seriously, just stop buying single-use plastics if you can. <laughs> There's no reason to buy a 24-pack of water bottles. Just yeah. refill your own bottle. Um, and that's why we need to put more of the onus on the manufacturers. Because right. if the, it'll be very hard for people to give up things without, you know, having choices. So if there's a choice, like with the yogurts to buy a glass one, I'd rather buy a glass one, yes. But if there's no choice, then what are you going to do? Right. You have no. Right. So we have to, you know, we really have to push um, companies and and Mm -hmm. manufacturers on that. And I was just thinking about soda cans, the the aluminum cans. And I don't know, a lot of people notice this, but Rose likes, you know, she likes her Diet Coke. And at the beginning of COVID in 2020, there was a aluminum can shortage. So there were, a, yes. yeah, there were a lot of uh, different types of soda that you couldn't get for a while. Mm-hmm. We had a friend who liked her ginger ale. <laughs> she couldn't get it. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't as popular. So they weren't using the cans for that. That's the problem with not recycling and not reusing materials that are easily and cheap to recycle and reuse. Everyone can just make small efforts every day and and again rose is talking about putting the onus on us but you know we all have to participate in this process so i think that's really important and then in terms of investing uh you know how this relates to investing too is we really have to very loudly and forcefully work with corporations to get on the recycling bandwagon using more recycled uh, content in what they're already producing, being supportive of things like bottle bills, a national bottle bill. Because a lot of companies, I don't know why they fight that. I think they think people won't buy as many drinks if they have to pay 10 cents extra. But, yeah, I don't know about you know, that. It's You get the 10 cents back. It's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah, there's, so, there's some incentive if you, if you do it right. Yeah, there is. And I would love to see the U.S. get to 50% in the next seven years. But well, it's going to take a national push mm-hmm. on corporations and government. If you incentivize corporations, it will work because um, look at the computer industry. I mean, when they were just sending off their computers. used computers, right, over to you know Asia and then like the Philippines or whatever, and they were they realized that oh, we're just throwing away money because those Filipinos were picking out all the precious metals. Mm-hmm. And- they were actually, you know, making money, more money off of that. And so, you know, at, and the, there are things there that you they can recycle. And so 
then all of a sudden you saw the, oh, bring your used computer to back to Staples mm. and we'll recycle it for you, which means that they're going out and mm-hmm. <laughs> making it themselves. So Right. And we're uh, seeing less of that because what we found with corporations and w- with this process is, one, small children were doing this work, which was a big problem. And mm-hmm. it was um, dangerous and unhealthy to them. And so there was a big push not too long ago with corporations to say, hey, if you're going to do that, you know, you can't, you can't have small children doing this. Yeah. You know, it's not, not great. So I think there was a change in that. And, but unfortunately we saw less recycling of computers with that process. So Kim, I don't know if you know this, but there, there are rules and legislations that I do believe need to change when it comes to charitable organizations. And that is that charitable organizations because of certain rules can't sell a lot of their surplus stuff that they have that they they get done using right so for instance there was a school that is part of a charitable organization that is restructuring and getting rid of a ton of desks bookcases all sorts of stuff they used to be able to like have an auction or you know something where the public can come in and buy things from them and so on and so forth but because of legislation they can't do that anymore what they can do is they can donate it to another charity. But if you have a very large charitable organization, how is a smaller charity going to take all that stuff? And what are they going to do with it? And if then who's going to transport it? And there's all these ifs, 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 and what, what, what. So what happens is all that stuff goes to the landfill. It all gets oh thrown away. God, I didn't know this. Yeah. yeah. This is- so again, I understand there's rules because of taxes, right? A, a mm-hmm. 501c3 can't make money in certain ways and so on and so forth. But it really ties their hands a lot of times it, and they just end you, up throwing it all away. Yeah, they can make money. It just can't be more than a certain percentage. And so if you're selling an old desk for $5, even if you have a hundred of them, it's not going to equal most in most cases that I don't remember what the percentage is. Do you, Rose? Yeah, something like a quarter of your budget yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. So oh it's, my it's, gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. It's really, it's really odd because it, it used to be a lot easier but certain things change. And I don't know if it's just the structure of how the sale can happen or what can be done, but it's not like a charity can just say, Hey, this is free for pickup and then just have it someplace and hope people come and get stuff. Right. Because then they have to deal with that. So it's, it's easier for them to, if they can't do a, a sale that they advertise and all that jazz, it's just easier for them to hire somebody to take it to a dump. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just a lot of waste in that. Right. So there's a lot of things you could change. Yeah. And I'm totally obsessed with Facebook marketplace mm-hmm. and finding things that I can reuse. Oh yeah. I'm like, Oh, I need a cabinet for this. I need something to store it in. So I will just scroll through Facebook marketplace until I find something because somebody else is diverting that from the landfill. Well, that's yes. part of the cultural mindset that we have to change of, uh, you know, we've pretty much been used to uh, built in obsolescence of all of our things that we have. And so we're just used to, oh, a refrigerator is on the fritz. Let's get rid of it. You know, it's only five years old. But And that goes back to had, holding, yeah, the corporations yeah, holding them the, accountable. Yeah, my parents right. had a Kenmore freezer that lasted for, you know, like 30 years. Right. Yep. Because they just kept fixing it over and over again. But, you know, we don't do that anymore. Well, it's harder with it. Like, talk about a washing machine. They're electronic now. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, and it's harder to fix and, and reuse. So that's where we go back to the corporation. Right. And and say, you know, I know you're doing this on purpose because you want Absolutely. to, you know, get more business. Yes. You want people to rebuy your product. But well, there should be a remember, minimum, right? There should be a minimum be. warranty, right? I, I, and this is just my opinion. I don't, don't want to go off on a tangent, but there should be some sort of minimum warranty on, on purchases like that. It has to last 10 years, corporation. It can't be a washing machine that lasts <laughs> two years and then you have to replace it because, oh, it's out of warranty. It's four days out of warranty. <laughs> right. So, right. Right. So, I mean, it, it's. Well, and companies yeah. used to have support systems for that because, you know, the Maytag repairman. There you was, go. Uh, yes. Uh, was a thing and people would just you could count on you know sears to come out and fix your washer if it was broken you know forever it wasn't just under warranty it was forever but yeah you know we just don't have that support system anymore right it here's a a terrible example well it's a good example but um we bought a washing machine uh ours finally died we'd had it for a while and and so we got a front-loading washing machine Mm -hmm. 
And I don't even remember what brand it is, but I don't want to mention it anyway. And developed mold yes. inside of it. Yep. And this is a known problem. Mm-hmm. And it's a design flaw. It's a design flaw. And they knew that. And and then there's a, a, a lawsuit around it, but we could not get it fixed. I fixed my own. Did you? I replaced that entire rubber seal. Oh and it gosh. was a pain. I had to take the, the, uh, cause again, I grew up in a generation where we didn't have a whole lot of money. So if we wanted it fixed, dad showed me how, yourself, or yeah. dad did it himself. Right. So right. I have that same mentality also cause I'm cheap. So I don't hire somebody <laughs> to come out and fix something right away. I figure out a YouTube it, which again is a huge resource for anybody who wants to fix something. Yeah. Somebody's done it and it's on YouTube. Right. So I, I bought one of those, one of those seals, that gasket. Right. And, and it took me about an hour and a half to two hours to do it. It was satisfying to get it done, but exactly. But you're like, cheaper why than does it buying... smell so bad after a right. month of use? Right. You're like, what right. is this? And then you get in there, it's all nasty. <laughs> right. And and it's all moldy. And yes. you're like, what the heck? Gross. And yeah, it we we were still in warranty, but we were unable to get it replaced in a, a decent amount of time. And we had yeah. to go through this whole big process and blah, blah, blah. And we were like, I can't do that. Yeah. It, and I'm allergic to mold. So we had to get rid of it and we had to buy a new one mm-hmm. trying to wait to get them to replace the the seal or the machine itself was just going to take a year or more. And it was stupid. And Candy stupid. and I, yeah, Candy and I left that washer and dryer yeah. at our house when we sold it. And when oh, we yeah. went to our other house, top load. <laughs> we did not yes. do it If and I ever have out. to buy a new one and we will, when we buy a new house, we'll have to probably buy a new washer and dryer. It's going to yep. be top loading. Again. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So we talked about a lot of really great things that we can do and it's mindset and, you know, really looking down the road and, and what we're leaving. I don't want to live in a country filled with landfills yeah. personally. Yeah. So let's, let's all make a difference. And any last words, Rose? I just want to make a comment about um, fun things that you can do with recycled plastic. Okay. Um, there is a great YouTube channel called Brothers Make, M-A-K-E. These guys, they take the plastic caps to bottles, like all the different colored ones, like, you know, there's mm-hmm. green and there's orange and there's blue, and they uh, make things out of them. So they will heat them up on a um, panini press. <laughs> And then they make these sheets, right, of, of like melted together plastic. And mm. then they form them into things and they've created some interesting things like, you know, they can make coasters and they can make a little cutting boards and things like that. But the latest one I saw from them was they created this uh, press where they could uh, extrude the plastic. So what? they created it into a little log and then they extru- extruded it into like a beam. So then it's like hard plastic, right? So then they could, uh, you know, drill through it and make things, you know, huh. they could make it, it would kind of look like treks, but very colorful because they put a thousand, you know, how plastic fun together. Yeah. So Interesting. I think that's the kind of innovation we need. I mean, if these guys can do it on a small scale like that, if we could expound that onto something larger, like why can't we do that? Get creative with some of this stuff and make new things. I mean, you know, that it's plastic gonna is still going to last forever, but at least you didn't throw those little caps into the... You've reused land. it. Right. Yeah. You recycle, gonna... re- reuse. Yeah. All right. of those things. And so. maybe the things that they make out of those um, reused pieces of plastic will last forever, right? Because they seem pretty strong. I mean, Trex is pretty strong, right? That plasticky... Yeah, uh, absolutely. ...wood thing. Thank you, Rose. Thank you so much for being on today and sharing your opinions because you share them with me all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Last words, Eric? My last word is kamikatsu. Kamikatsu. Kamikatsu? Kamikatsu. It's a town in Japan. I saw this probably four years ago. They are a zero-waste center. And oh, if you have wow. not seen the documentary, just look them up, Kamikatsu. It is amazing. They have to recycle everything. They throw nothing away, and they they show how they do it. It's pretty interesting. So Kamikatsu well, that should be inspiring. Yeah, right. Yeah, we should. Yeah, they're so excited that, yeah. to do it because they it's kind of like their thing. We are right. the zero waste town, and so right. I know not every place can do that, but it's pretty amazing to see what they do. So that's kind of right. fun. Let me just, the last thing I want to say today is when we look at investing and pushing corporations to do the right thing, if you 
don't know what the corporations you own are doing. Mm-hmm. It, you know, if you own Pepsi or Coke, and again, as we say all the time, I'm not recommending these for investment. It's not investment advice. But if you own those companies, you should know what percentage of recycled material they're using mm. and pushing them to do more with your uh, investments is important. And so Johan at Horizons Sustainable Financial Services can help you look at what's in your portfolio and what those companies are doing. We can get some great reports for people who are interested in that type of thing. So give him a call, 505-982-9661 or email at info at horizonssfs.com. Awesome. This has been fantastic. Uh, I just want to thank all the listeners for listening to the Kim and Rose show. Uh, this is <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. Rose, you were an amazing guest. Thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure meeting you. Pleasure meeting you too. And Kim, of course, thank you for hosting and bringing all this great information to yep. the listening audience. And speaking of you listening audience, our last thank you always goes to you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Horizons Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle, the sustainable, responsible, impact investing podcast reminding you that it's time to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, please email me at kim at griego-kyle.com. That's G-R-I-E-G-O hyphen K-I-E-L dot com. Or give Horizons a call at 505 982 9661 and be sure to ask for Johan Klassen. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available and to share this podcast with colleagues, friends, and family. The companies I may speak about during the podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Kimberly Griego Kyle produces this podcast on behalf of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. is a registered investment advisor registered with the SEC. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.